Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we talk about popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm currently a DJ in Ibiza. Not all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I know, huge disappointment to everyone who who who, who stuck through this movie and, uh, and, and was always wondering, you know, if he did become a DJ in Ibiza, how would it go? <laughs> Not well. I mean, I'm Alex. Yeah, I think that's what that Gillian Jacobs Netflix movie was all about. It was a spiritual <laughs> sequel to Night at the Museum 3. I'm Britain. Uh, oh, yeah, man. we are we are talking about the third Night at the Museum movie this week. Secret of the Tomb. Secret of the Tomb. Not Secret of the Tomb. Yeah, Secret. Singular Secret. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Which I guess the secret is Moonlight? Uh, sure. Um... The secret although is they, the although they thought the secret was La La Land. <laughs> Got him! <'em. laughs> oh man, good. that, that, was, that <laughs> was so good. Thank All you. Right. It was, it was, All right, guys. Was, well, we've been here. Come the sequels. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, I, we we can't get higher than that. We should just call it quits. Uh, what can <sighs> I say? That joke is written for me by Adele Dazeem. Whoa! All right, that's all the contemporary Oscar jokes uh, out of the way. Sure. Um, what what are the what are the scores? Uh, I feel like I had a punny title to to give this movie, and I can't think of it that I was supposed to ask you, Alex. But you know what? Just just what just what are the scores? Just give the scores. Okay. okay. So, Night at the Museum, Secret of the Tomb, directed by Sean Levy again, came out in uh, 2014, and it has a 47 percent critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 57 percent audience score. And that is slightly better than the scores for the second film. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I okay. I don't know how I feel. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna claim best thing, worst thing because uh, I think I had less uh, reasons that I enjoyed this film than either of you, and so I need to take the good things uh, that are obvious. Um, so I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take Dan Stevens as sure. my, uh, yeah. as my best thing. He, uh, I did not realize he was in this movie before I was looking, I was watching it. I don't think I knew really any, anything whatsoever about the cast or like he was going to pop up and, uh, he shows up that there is a knight who shows up and he's, it's like, Oh, is this going to just be like a knight in armor? Like, are we never going to see his face? And he's punching a triceratops. It's like, okay, this is instantly more interesting than the things that were happening. Um, and then he takes off his helmet, and I genuinely did not recognize him for, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, I was watching, and I was like, okay, this is uh, someone who I don't know, but I feel like I should know. And I looked him up and accidentally spoiled the fact that he's the uh, he has a twist uh, antagonist uh, oh. turn, a heel turn at the end, um, uh, which was not that of a deal to spoil for myself i think i probably would have, <laughs> would have seen it coming um but uh then i was like oh holy crap i know him and he's having a ton of fun i think he's he's really just like chewing it up he's playing lance a lot um this big macho uh toxic guy who's like <laughs> being a poor influence on i'm gonna try and remember this name skyler oh Gizondo. Gizondo, I think is it. From, I thought oh, there was smart. a B in there. From from Booksmart, from the Santa Buddies uh, and other Buddies movies. Yeah, he's also uh, one of Gwen Stacy's brothers in the Amazing Spider-Man. Yes, movies. correct. 
he uh, he's been around. Of, he was one of the young Shans in the flashbacks on Psych. Sure. Great TV show. <laughs> um, yeah, he's done things. Uh, yeah, so uh, Lancelot is being a bad influence on him, who reca- was recast to play Ben Stiller's son, um, which I guess they needed more range <laughs> than the previous actor. I don't know. Um but yeah, no, he, uh, I think uh, he's a ton of fun in this movie as Lancelot, Dan Stevens is, and uh, really just like hits the tone of the movie in a way that I, I don't know that a lot of the other movie really had like a unique voice to sell. Uh, I think he had he had a lot of fun just being silly and uh, having a good time. So uh, he was he was a delight to watch when he popped up. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I think my worst thing is just going to be the humor. Overall, mm. I there are bits of, of and pieces of this movie that I thought were genuinely quite funny, um, but a lot of it just felt very like by the numbers. Uh, ben Stiller trying to do a thing that would be uh, that basically just ad libbing sounds <laughs> and sure. hoping that they turned out funny. Um, I mean, that's all the character of Law. Like, exactly, that's, that's I, the whole bit with Law. Yeah, Law in particular, who is Ben Stiller playing a caveman who is designed to look like Ben Stiller, and then of course he comes to life. He yeah. is just not like he's offensive in a way I can't put my finger on. Like, I don't, I don't know why I don't, why I'm so like, deeply upset. Tyler's just going. Which protest line am I supposed to join here? <laughs> there are several claimants. Uh, to this uh, just deeply problematic character. No, I mean, it's it's just very dumb, uh, and he's making lots of weird noises. There's a couple of good bits with him, um, but also he gets a lot of time with Rebel Wilson, who I did not enjoy very much in this movie. Um, I feel like she's also doing a lot of, um, I'm just going to say things and repeat them, and I am a funny well, person, and I'm going to hope that sells it. I mean, in, in her defense, I feel like most of the movies she's in, like that, they they force her to do that a lot. Yeah, no, so it, th- this isn't out of the ballpark for her. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not blaming Ben Stiller or Rebel Wilson in these cases. I'm just saying I think there is a lot of the movie being like, I don't know, be funny, just yeah. lay yeah. it on us, put the jokes down. Um, and I just felt like it didn't work a lot. I think there's a lot of stuff in this movie that's very like kids trailer filler. Um, mm. At one point, the, the in the when they're running away from the aforementioned Triceratops, uh, they or they're about to. Ben Stiller tries to like distract the Triceratops with a quote unquote bone. It's like a horn that's on the wall or something at the museum. Um, and then the the Triceratops chomps it, and Robin Williams says, "Can I suggest another plan? Run!" And he points at it, and they all run. I'm like that's very like yeah. <laughs> that's although Robin Williams yelling anything is always funny. Sure, sure. I mean it is Robin Williams, but it's still like you, you made Robin Williams do that. And there's there's quite a few <laughs> moments where I was like, oh, that's a very like overused thing thing you stick in to the the script because you have to have a full script, and you're right. just like I don't know. We're just walking through the motions here. Um, there are there are bits that I thought were funny, and we'll we'll get to them. But I think that was what let me down the most. Uh, compared to the other ones, is that there's a lot of very unoriginal, just sort of, we, we have to say things, and it's a kid's movie, so we're like, we feel limited in what we can say in terms of making jokes and stuff, so we kind of just fall back to characters making funny faces and silly sounds and hoping for the best. <laughs> so, 
That's yeah, my I, I, yeah, I agree. Movement. I think that and, and all of these movies, particularly the second one did this with Hank Azaria with the hey ad lib. Mm-hmm. Just it'll be funny cuz you're ad libbing and just it'll be great. And they keep and um, movies do this to talented funny people a lot and I feel like it, I feel like movies do this with Aquafina who is a funny sure. actor but that doesn't mean that she's always going to be able to just spin gold out of nothing. Yeah. And and yeah, Rebel Wilson, she had a couple in this that made me laugh, but I feel like she was stronger in the Pitch Perfect movies because Oh yeah. Those are the, the, there was more of a script there that she was ad-libbing off of as opposed mm-hmm. to, it, it felt like she was giving different takes on a constructed scene where she's like, oh, "Okay, I know what we're all doing here." So I'll just work and off of that and build something. And here it just looked like, okay, Ben Stiller pulls up to your booth and then just go. <laughs> <laughs> and and Rebel Wilson's character in Pitch Perfect, who obviously she, she is a main character in yes, Pitch Perfect yeah. as opposed to just kind of like a, a, a gag character, a side character in this. Um, she's also like that character is constructed for her. Cause it's yeah. like we know what makes her funny. And so we're going to like give her material she can work with to be funny. Where this is not so much. I did like she has a joke, <clears throat> or one of one of the many things she ad libs is like, "It must be great being an American security guard with your guns, with your silencer, with your ninja swords." <laughs> like I thought that was pretty good. Uh, yeah, um, uh, I can dovetail off of that. My uh, my worst thing is a toss up between one of two things. One, it's just kind of law in general. Mm-hmm. I just felt like that character, it didn't really make me laugh. Again, I think there are probably children the who are right in the target demographic of this movie who thought he was hilarious, and that's what matters. Like, I'm not going to get mad at a joke that isn't for me, but it did annoy me. Yeah. And it, it just felt like, okay, okay. <laughs> I almost wish they'd done, because at a certain point, uh, Ben Stiller's just like, law, stay, like, watch the door. Uh-huh. And I kind of wish they just had a running gag where, like, every 20 minutes we cut back yeah. to him and he's like, he's still Stay. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's still there. <laughs> I think that would work better, yeah. And my, my other thing is when Ben Stiller does kiss a monkey on the mouth twice. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. that was just weird. Um, yeah. And, and it, well, it was a it, moment it, where, there, uh, confession, there's some stuff in the ending of this movie that, that kind of touched me. For, for some yeah. reasons outside of the movie, and, and for some within. Mm-hmm. But he's saying goodbye to his, his museum friend. Because this movie does want to be Toy Story 3 in a way. <laughs> Correct. Very and accurate. He's saying goodbye to Dexter. And Dexter like raises up his paw and he's like, it's okay, you can slap me. And he doesn't slap him, and I thought, oh, Dexter's going to hug him. That's really sweet. But Dexter, like, goes in and kisses him on the mouth for, like, a while. Sure. He just, like, holds his mouth. And, and they like, even make a joke about it, too. I was like, this is kind of weird. Okay, but Ben Stiller kind of pulls him. I'm like, that's kind of weird, but okay, whatever. It's a monkey. And then Ben Stiller says something and then goes back in for a second <laughs> kiss. And he, like, closes his eyes, and the music is very, like, swelling. And I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> <laughs> this is a strange moment for me. Um, yeah, it's just bizarre. Um, my best thing, this is a super niche pull, but it does work for me. I'm going to say Patrick Gallagher as Attila the Hun. Okay. Um, I found him, I, I like Patrick Gallagher a lot in general. I've seen him in several, he's just like a character actor. He pops up all over the place. I generally really enjoy him, but he has my favorite line in the movie. Uh, one, he, he gets a really cool moment at the end when 
it's revealed that maybe he actually does speak English or knows some English or a little English. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, but he does like a wink and the wink is like, that was pretty cool. Patrick Gallagher. That was a cool <laughs> wink you did. Yeah. But towards the beginning, they're talking, there's this event that goes awry and everything goes crazy. And Ben Stiller is chastising the, the exhibits afterwards. He's like, did you guys see what happened? That was terrible. Did you see the look on Regis Philbin's face? And Patrick Gallagher goes, Riju? <laughs> and he's he's so like crestfallen that he hurt Regis Philbin. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. I like I I did rewind that joke so I could hear him go Riju <laughs> again. <laughs> I thought that was marvelous. Again, I, we said this about the first movie. I don't love the improvised uh, Hunnish because it just feels like mm, <laughs> this is a little. I don't know, guys. Um. But uh, otherwise, I, I, I don't know. I find him funny. I also enjoy Dan Stevens quite a bit. And other people who are in the movie and other people on this podcast are Alex. Alex, what are yours? I, I am other people on this podcast. <laughs> um, I think I may have enjoyed this the most mm-hmm. of any of us. Um, it's hard for me to, to pinpoint a best thing. It might just be kind of how this tries to cap things off as a trilogy, oddly enough which I would not have expected from the third Night at the Museum movie. <laughs> um, but between, you know, they bring back Dick Van Dyke and uh, Mickey Rooney, yeah. and they bring back the, you know, the older cast um, for, for a short scene that's actually quite a bit of fun. Uh, Dick Van Dyke dancing yeah. <laughs> should be my best thing. <laughs> I like, I can't, I can't hate um, a movie where Dick Van Dyke dances. Yeah. Great dance. Very spry. Man. Um, and then, like, the whole ending scene with, with Ben Stiller having to say goodbye to everyone. And uh, kind of his final scene with Robin Williams I Great. found very, very effective. I like that a lot, yeah. Um, all that stuff really worked for me. My only issue with it is I f- the fact that they're leaving the tablet at the London Museum, um, I feel like they need to build that up more because it mm. just kind of comes out of nowhere of, like, oh – you can leave it and we'll just be, you know, we'll be still forever. Mm-hmm. Um, we're okay with that. We've all talked it over. We talked it <laughs> over the, during this whole movie. Like, I I don't know. That that kind of came out of nowhere for me. It kind of felt like, oh, wait, we got to wrap this up, don't we? Um, but the but the idea in and of itself I found very, very compelling. Sure. Um, I just kind of wish the movie had been a bit more about that. Um, in terms of worse things... I feel like this has the opposite problem that the second movie did, where I, I feel like the second movie was all about kind of, like, set pieces and just, like, big moments. Um, and this one, it feels like it's 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 wandering around a bit more, and I don't really remember much to it aside from they fight, like, a snake statue mm-hmm. thing that's a good bit of fun with Dan Stevens, and then the Hugh Jackman, Alice Eve... Yeah. Uh, play sequence, which is also uh, a contender for best thing. Sure. Um, but I, I, I guess just because typically I'm not really into set pieces, like that's not what I go for. For like, if I really like something, that's not you know high up on my reasons why. Yeah, you like um, green screen more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Any more green screen? <laughs> Hobbit over Lord of the Rings for sure. Accurate. Shoulder shoulder um, shot shoulder shot just back and forth. <laughs> Director but preferably sitting down, not putting much effort into the, into the direction. Yeah, your your favorite play is Our Town. We get it. Well, it's just funny because with the, with the second film, 
I was just very frustrated that it was just all about kind of fighting to get the tablet. Sure. Whereas with this one, it takes a while to get to, like, what the actual plot is. It's Mm -hmm. just kind of like, we're walking around the museum. We're going to get to Egypt eventually. Whatever. It's fine. Um, So so it kind of mirrored the structure to the first one in a way where we don't really get, like, a a villain plot that we have to kind of figure out until, like, the third act, Um, which I, I kind of enjoyed. But yeah, ultimately, I, I feel like this one, overall plot-wise and just kind of memorable moments, I, I feel like it falls, you know, kind of flat. Yeah, um, I yeah, I watched it day before yesterday, and I don't, I rem- I do remember certain things, but it, not, I feel like the overall picture isn't sticking. Well, together aside, very much. aside from like it, just stuff in the actual museum, like they go into like an M.C. Escher painting, mm-hmm. and that was fun, but I don't remember any specific like museum like yeah. are, are there any like artifacts that they talk to or anything like i know ben kingsley shows up and robin williams plays a hindu idol of some sort um i want to say he? it's a it's a little small statue thing with wings oh and the it's robin williams just like making some clicky noises uh, oh i didn't realize that was him it's a thing that's in front of the snake the big snake statue. yeah garuda yeah 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 um and i don't again with this these these films like not doing a lot of research at least in their if we're giving them the benefit of the doubt we're saying you didn't really feel yeah. like looking into you right. know what kind of things it would actually sound like i don't know i also i don't know having never been but for this movie made me want to go to the british museum very badly um the British Museum is also what I call my uh, my room at my mom's house. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I I feel like the Smithsonian has not only a lot of things that are more familiar to American audiences because it's an American museum, but also it has historic. It does have historical fig- figures preserved in different ways. It has pop culture things, so it has pieces of cinema history. And so there's a lot more they can pull from, and it looks, it seemed at least from the movie that the British Museum had has more art pieces, and like, well, this is a vase of, from ancient, you know, Mesopotamia or whatever, like things that wouldn't, when they come to life, they wouldn't necessarily be characters because they run across a lot of like sculptures that are now moving. There's a horrifying sequence where they find a lot of statues that have some of them mm-hmm. are missing arms and some of them are missing legs, and they're just like crawling around and writhing like. That was terrifying. I don't think it was supposed <laughs> to be, but I was uh, terrified. And that might be part of it, is that they went, well, there's there's not as much to do here in terms of you know bringing in new characters or new cameos. There's just kind of like, here's uh, artifacts. Here's, you know, yeah. things that I'm sure are amazing to witness. Whereas the Smithsonian, they could be like, well, you know, there's a there's a pharaoh, but they can also there's the Albert Einstein bobbleheads, there's the astronaut monkey, there's all these different figures, and there's so much more that we can actualize uh, as as actors. So that maybe that's part of it, um, but I don't know. I I do like that they being a sort of budding Arthurian legend nerd. I liked that they bring in Lancelot as the secret bad guy because mm. 
in a lot of Arthurian legend, Lancelot is the secret bad guy. <laughs> like, right. That he betrays Arthur and, you know, Guinevere leaves Arthur for him, but there's a love triangle. Like, I, I found all that uh, uh, very amusing, and uh, I like that, that they... that. It is. I don't know if it, I want to say accurate, but it is spiritually consistent with the Arthurian sure. legend. Yeah, it, it's it's weird because this this does make me wonder. Going back to the second one in terms of like the structure of when the villain gets introduced, because the second one is just like, no, Hank Azaria is the villain. He's the mm-hmm. villain the whole time. He's got his lackeys. He is the bad guy. Whereas the first and the the third films is like, oh, we've got kind of a friendly you know, person or, or, or people that are kind of around and then we get a, a twist. Um, it does make me wonder if if we had a better villain in the second film, if that would still work to have them kind mm-hmm. of yeah. throughout. Because, um, yeah, I, I'm getting way too tied up in, in, like, the plot structures of these things because the second one, like I said so much in the last episode, I feel like that one is hurt very much by just being a, a kind of chase MacGuffin film where the first and third don't really feel as much like that. This one more so than the first, but it's still, I don't know. It, it, this, this one almost feels like a hangout movie where it's just like, yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's also one thing in this movie's corner that the second film also kind of frustrated me with where we were kind of back with kind of our, our main set of characters from the, um, New York Museum um, that have kind of accompanied Ben Stiller on this adventure, and and we actually spend quite a bit of time with all of them. Um, yeah. I kind of like that, especially yeah, I, I, you know yeah. going back to capping off the trilogy. I like that too. It, it, it does. It did feel at times like kind of like in Toy Story Four, where it's like, why do we get to see them <laughs> more? But mm-hmm. they actually use these characters better. But I think Sacagawea maybe has two lines in the movie. Like she yeah, right. doesn't really say very much. Um, but yeah, it was nice that they went, well, if we're finishing this off, let's let's bring back... Like, it was nice that Rami Malek actually did stuff in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Although, he's also confirmed to be an actual mummy, which we had talked about before. Yeah. A um, little bit disturbing when he starts <laughs> to mummify in real time uh, as yeah. the tablet, like, expires. Oh, yeah. But I, I don't know <laughs> if it's makeup or special effects on him, but yeah. I think it, it's definitely it effects, does... yeah genuinely look pretty horrifying i'm like okay um choice i guess yeah well even just all the drama of of you know we we do have a ticking time bomb here but but the drama of all of them kind of turning back into to wax and and dexter's kind of fake death like all that stuff i was like okay this is this is working pretty well for me um i i think this one either had stuff that worked for me or stuff that just fell flat i wasn't super bothered by any of it if that makes sense because like you you guys found law very frustrating i didn't really i I, it was more just like eh, okay it's kind of dumb whatever um i'm actually kind of surprised that it didn't bother me as much as it did because when when law showed up and they're like oh it's ben stiller i was like oh no and especially Um, on on my end i definitely like as i realized more and more how much how much of a role they'd given him in the movie i was like oh yeah yeah oh i see (laughs) <laughs> well, also, I, I think it it might have been le- my my um it, it might have kept me from disliking him so much because I actually enjoyed Rebel Wilson in the movie. So the mm. fact that a lot of his screen time was with her, I don't sure. know. M- maybe maybe it's just her accent. I don't know. I find Rebel Wilson pretty funny, uh, no matter what. So <laughs> if she's just being forced to do random ad lib, like sure. I, I still find it enjoying or. or 
I, I still get joy out of it to some degree. <laughs> so, yeah, no, nothing in the movie, like, in the second film, I genuinely disliked the villains. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I was not happy with any of that. Um, And in this one, it was just like, okay, everything's, you know, okay, or or it's working, you know. Yeah, and I think this movie, the second one has such a huge cast that they ended up wasting a lot of people, but in this movie, mm-hmm. it's a little more contained, and so, like, Dan Stevens gets a lot to do. At times, it's like, yeah. we're spending a lot of time talking to Dan Stevens. What does uh, Attila think about this? <laughs> like, can we kind of check sure. in with some other people? But right. Dan Stevens is great, and that all works. Like, he's had, he, had, he had such an interesting career. Like, after Downton Abbey, he it seems like he's intentionally looked for weird movies that aren't just like hey go be handsome like yeah. between this and the guest which is really great and the apostle and or apostle yeah. i can't remember um, and part of i think three because i really know him from <clears throat> legion right um, right yeah I and I, that. like he is not he does not come across as like big hunk guy in that and i think that's part of why not I, I totally did quite the opposite i totally didn't recognize him in this one because i was i just had never seen him in a role like that and i was like okay so yeah, no, yeah. I think he he's uh, very versatile. Yeah, and um, I like that he's gotten the chance to, and I think he's also like actively pursued that. It's like it's mm. kind of like what I'm. I, I don't want Kit Harrington to just keep making. I'm I'm the hero in a fantasy sure. movie for the rest of his life because like he's great, but I don't want him to. I don't want him to get stuck playing a Jon Snow type forever. Yeah. Um, it's okay, Britain. He was the bad guy in. Call of Duty uh, <laughs> Infinite Warfare? Whichever one goes to space. You think he have Call um, of Duty X? Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like Dan Stevens and Richard Madden are both actors who I could see getting relegated to boring stuff, but they've both like found really great things to plumb mm-hmm. their like plumb. To explore their like considerable range as actors. Uh, which is nice oh. to see. Um now, I, w- I want to talk about the the, the cameo. Uh, sure. Hugh Jackman and Alice Eve. That's right. The boy from Oz and uh, Star Trek are back at it again. <laughs> <laughs> so th- I had a lot of feelings about this because the idea is that they're doing a production of Camelot. Um, mm. Camelot is a musical from, I believe, 1965 uh, starring... Or written by uh, Frederick Lowe and Alan J. Lerner, who made My Fair Lady. Um, and I like Camelot more than My Fair Lady. Come at me, internet. But uh, I, <laughs> I found it really funny watching that because when 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 I, I saw the poster that he Lancelot was going to see Camelot, I was like, <gasps> they're not really gonna like do Camelot though, right? Like they're just saying it's Camelot. They're not gonna do. No, they do Camelot. Like that's a song from Camelot. <laughs> and I was really, I was like, oh my god. You, also, Hugh Jackman, I think, would play Lancelot in that show, not Arthur. Um, but that's okay. He would be good either way. And sure. I thought that was really funny. I also thought it was weird that the poster for the show didn't have Hugh Jackman's face on it. But what do I know? Um, he's not on the poster for that revival of the Music Man that may never happen. So what do I know? Um, but yeah, I, I thought all of that was, was very amusing. But then as far as the actual cameo goes, it was hilarious. Hugh Jackman's mm-hmm. totally throwing himself into it. He's so game and it's so funny. And I mean, bonus points, uh, as Tyler called out in our group chat seconds before I got to it, 
Because um, apparently oh, okay. I had I seen... I had seen the opening bit where Lancelot runs in and it's Hugh Jackman and Alice Eve and they're like, we're just actors uh, and they're trying to get him to leave. I did not see the part where he actually like pulls out a sword. He starts trying to attack them. Hugh Jackman does a Wolverine pose. And then (laughs) Alan Silvestri just whips out the X-Men theme for like 10 seconds. (laughs) It's very slightly modified and it's so short. That like yeah. I don't think they could ever get him for copyright or whatever, but it's a little no, it's, it's, I mean, it's a Fox, no, it's it's a Fox movie. They're good. Oh, it, I, I guess I hadn't even thought of that. Um, yeah. did but Silvestri it's still com- did, did Silvestri compose the no. X Men no. score? Okay, which is what it's makes John it even Hartman. better is that it's just like it's a it's like a musical <laughs> cameo. Yeah. Like yeah. he's he's just given a little <laughs> a little nod. Um, and it's yeah, I saw that and I was like, what? <laughs> Come again? <laughs> Um, yeah, that, yeah, that, that is the, a cameo that if I didn't enjoy it, I would think it went on too long. Cause that's like, sure. That, that's a part of the movie. That the, is a the, full on scene in the yeah. movie. It's not just like a, a, a flyby moment. No, right. no. Um, no, it's like the part of the movie, but it was really enjoyable. Yeah. No, that is, like, I feel like that's for a comedy movie where you can be, you can have it be distracting. Um, yeah. I think that is like a near perfect cameo. Like it's it's Short hilarious. Cameo. It it's it's in like the fact that it's you know sort of breaking the fourth wall in the sense that it is Hugh Jackman, even yeah. though obviously like our main character is Ben Stiller, but he doesn't refer to himself as Ben Stiller. But like somehow Hugh Jackman still exists in this universe. That that whole thing, um, which is just fun to to throw out there and poke fun at. Um, yeah, it's uh, I, I he's hilarious, and I was like. Totally on board for that entire five minute yeah. sequence or whatever. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, I, I, in the in the face off at the top of the the theater, I guess. There's a moment where Lancelot's been holding a torch and it melts his the wax on his nose and creates this really gross effect where his like nose mm-hmm. is dripping down. Yeah, but I really like that they did that. I like that they went. Oh, they're still made of wax. Like, he's, sure. he's still not... Which they addressed in the first movie when Robin Williams is ripped in half. <laughs> but I was like, oh, that's kind of... Okay. And then later he tries to, like, fashion his nose back and it looks awful. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, all right, all right, movie. Yeah. It's a very uncomfortable effect. Oh, deeply. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it's just, like, a glove stuck on the end of his nose, but it's, it's effective. <laughs> oh, it kept, like, waggling every time he moved yeah. his head. I was like, stop it. <laughs> it's not what I came to this movie for. <laughs> I don't know what I came to this movie for, but it's not that. <laughs> then um, I turned to the kid next to me and I was like, "Do you like this? I don't like this." And it wasn't my kid. <laughs> <laughs> and then I heard a lot of ushers going, "Sir, sir." This is when you saw it. the film. This is when you saw it on opening night, correct? Exactly. Yes, yeah. Yeah. The child was the kid who played Nikki in the first two movies. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you, you went to the midnight premiere hoping that there wouldn't be any children, but then you were, like, stuck between two of them. It was, it was yeah, it was like a Harry Potter thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other, I think, big sequence, uh, which Alexi hinted at, uh, that I quite enjoyed, was the combination of, we, we cut back and forth between our main crew fighting a big, like, Hydra thing. I mean, it's yeah, not but- a Hydra, it's supposed to be Hindu mythology or... I don't know if they say it's Hindu. It's it's something like that. Like it's a it's a more East Asian, um, yeah. kind of tradition in terms of where the where this sculpture comes from. Um, but 
that's a fun sequence where they're they're trying to knock it away, and Lancelot's being a boss and hitting stuff out of the way, and Ben Stiller ends up jumping out with the um, what do you call it? Chest pumping clear. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. What do you call that? Oh my god! Defibrillator. 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 That's it. Yes. That's it. He jumps yeah. out of the defibrillator and shocks it, and because it's like a metal statue, it electrocutes the statue. It's a fun sequence. That, um, well, it, it's funny because like they do like the epic thing where he kind of dives and it's all in slow motion, mm-hmm. and I actually it was a cool sequence. Yeah. Like yeah. I thought it, it normally something like that, particularly in a kids' movie, it would be played like super schlocky and, yeah. and just kind of dumb and for yucks. But that one, it was like okay, this is actually well, a moderately compelling action sequence. M- much like uh, Ben Stiller fighting Hank Azaria in the in the second one, yeah. where he whips out the flashlight. <laughs> he also whips out the flashlight for this one and, and starts smacking yeah. heads around. And Alan Silvestri again just like rips <laughs> the score. Like he just he just goes at it. And he's like, "This I, is a fight with a real dragon." <laughs> By a legendary knight. <laughs> this is I the do... climax to Lord of the Rings. Yes. And I'm... Well, uh... I do like that Jim, ben, ben, Jim Stiller, that Ben Stiller has clearly been practicing his, like, flashlight kata, because he's mm-hmm. just... Shunk, shunk, ta, ta, ta. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like he's in a, uh, like a Yuan Wu Ping movie or something. It's wild. Yes. But uh, the other part of this is that it's cut in between... Um, Jed and Octavius stuck in this little miniature Pompeii replica. Yeah. That now that it's alive, I guess it is actually erupting. I don't. I don't know what the idea is as far as what it looked like before. And the the the, the bit where where all of the citizens are running away and they're reading Pompeii upside down yes. and they can't figure it out. All of that I love. Oh no, I, I thought it, it was yeah. hilarious. It was, it was very funny. Um, but then they get trapped, and somehow they get trapped, like, like they don't jump, they get trapped back in the middle of this thing after they're on yeah. the edge of it. I don't know what the logic there is, but they get trapped with all the lava coming in, and then uh, Dex shows up, and he's he's sitting, standing there on a rooftop, and he's, like, towering over the, the smoke and the steam, and then Jed and Octavius have some conversation where they're like, he's not going to do it. And, he, and I think Octavius <laughs> is like, he must. And then Dex <laughs> pees on the lava to, to cool it down and stop it so they don't. It's it's a very, very funny little gag. And it's it's mixed in, like it's cut in between the, yeah. the big epic snake fight. Um, and so that well, little sequence right there is quite good. I like that a lot. Yeah. Nor- normally, I, I don't really like the, the gross out humor. Like, it's a, it's a pee joke. Mm-hmm. But I actually found it, it. I guess it's just because of of the size, the proportions yes. of it all. Um, I, I I actually found it very very funny. Yeah, because the, the, the way Dexter me. walks in, it's almost like Godzilla yeah. or something. <laughs> well, awesome. That's what I was gonna say. It's like, really really cool. When he walks in, I was like, because he's also got this like terrifying monkey grin on his face. So like, <laughs> yeah. it was scary. I was like, this is now he's, a horror De- movie. Dexter's just like, I am here. <laughs> Now, I have seen a movie where an evil symbol smacking monkey creates all kind of mayhem. It's called Merlin's Shop of Mystical Wonder. <laughs> sure. It's a Mystery Science Theater episode. Um, but that monkey, oh man, would not trifle with that monkey. Uh, but yeah, so may- maybe, that's what, maybe that's why I was put off as I was having flashbacks of the evil symbol monkey. How did we feel about um, kind of the the uh, character drama in this one with um, Larry and his son mm. uh, kind of being aimless and not knowing what what he wants to do with his future? I think that part, 
I don't mind that being like the central part of it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the movie does a good job making that the center. Uh, th- there is the opening sequence at the beginning that is sort of drawing, maybe not like a parallel, but it's it's creating a bit of a um, a, a thematic resonance by having um, young Dick Van Dyke uh, with mm. his dad as they're exploring for the ancient treasure that ends up being the, the tablet and, I guess, Rami Malek's body. Um, yeah. <laughs> which, by the way, the production value in that opening sequence was really good. Yeah, yeah, and it was that was a weird thing overall. Like, I was like, we don't... That was very much a, a scene you include to make sure you hit an hour and a half. Um, right. <laughs> I mean, I liked it, and... Uh, I mean, I like, I like that it led to, the, you know, it being Dick Van Dyke. Sure. Um, um, so that way we could find a reason I, to bring him back in I as just, opposed to just Ben Stiller goes researching. He finds yeah, the picture. Yeah. I, I just, don't know. I, I just thought, thought it was, worth it. I thought it was strange because it's like, we, we kind of, we've revealed everything we need to know about that within like 20 minutes. <laughs> like we kind of, we've, yeah. we've now unpacked that entire sequence. Um, I guess there is, they do have the like, and this is the other problem I have with it is that they have the mystical, uh, foreign Middle Eastern, uh, locals being like, it, everything will end one day. Be yeah. careful. Oh, like it's yeah, very, yeah. it's very rote. Um, well, I, I also found like the fact that it's like, oh, everything will end and it just randomly starts decaying, but yeah. you need to show it under moonlight and that's how you fix that. That felt very easy. Strange, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, that scene does at least have a father and a son and the father's like kind of neglecting his son. He's telling him like, ah, oh, go play in the truck or whatever. Go sit, go sit <laughs> in the truck. Uh, and then ends up using the, the kid. Cause the kid finds a tablet and he's like, ah, oh, you did it. You found my tablet. Um, so there's something there, some sort of father son dynamic. Uh, and the, the movie I think does a good job keeping that in the center, but I'm annoyed by like the way they use law and Lancelot <laughs> because it's mm. very, I mean, I think Alex, in the same way you've you've complained before about the relationship between Thor and uh, Star Lord in mm. the last two yeah. Avengers movies, um, I think it was kind of well, the same specifically thing. Infinity War. Sure, sure. Um, I think f- for me, it's a very similar feeling where I'm just like, this is like over the top and obnoxious in the way that you're having these characters be like stand-ins for. Like, Lancelot's kind of standing in for, like, what Ben Stiller wants to be as a dad, and Law's standing in for um, being his son, I guess? I don't know. That's a yeah. weird dynamic. <laughs> but, like, they they do some stuff with that that I, I feel like is just sort of annoying <laughs> and feels very obvious and... Uh, but I think the, the chemistry between Ben Stiller and Skyler Gazone... Gibbonado? Gazondo? I think it's Gazondo. Gazuntite? Thank you. Yeah. I think they have a good rapport that that works well. I like both of them as actors. He's quite good in Booksmart. And so I think it works kind of on that basis and the fact that the movie doesn't ever really forget about the fact that they want that to be a big part of this. Um, and and that's that's the big difference for me once again when comparing it to the second one because the second one 
Ben Stiller does technically have a character arc, sure. but it's so half baked, and it's just like, well, we'll occasionally mention it, and then he'll have a character arc. It's fine. Yeah. Um, whereas this one, it feels like, no, genuinely, the you know, you know, part part of the core of the movie is is Larry and the relationship with his son, um, and and they really want to kind of make sure that that's not lost. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> how his son wants to be a DJ in Ibiza. That's. <laughs> I think that might be a little too dumb. Maybe sure. not. For, maybe not for this movie. I don't know. But. <laughs> but I, I do like that the end of it is. I, I like the takeaway at the end where the son's like, I don't know. This this probably isn't going to be like my career, but I just want right. to like I want to explore a little. I'm, I'm like, okay. Yeah. The movie is aware that this is a very silly premise, but also like knows that it it really is more of a uh, a mouthpiece for. Wanting to be free in your twenties and whatnot, so you know what? Fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how how did we feel about Ben Kingsley's cameo? Uh, as, yeah, as within uh, Rami Malek's parents, that whole situation. Because I, I, I am not. I believe Ben Kingsley is has Indian heritage and yes. Persian heritage. I mean, there's a lot of, I, I don't, I don't know exactly his, his genealogy. I, I believe his, either his mother or his father is British, like entirely on one side. And then right. on the other side is uh, Indian. I could okay. Be wrong. Okay. Um, yeah. Cause he famously of course played Gandhi. Um, right. And uh, I believe his character in Schindler's List was Jewish. I'm, I'm genuinely not sure. But uh, hmm. the, sure the, the, something that got me about that scene, I think Ben Kingsley is funny in this in this movie because mm-hmm. Ben Kingsley's a really good actor. Shocker. Yeah. But he, he there's a joke, and I'm, I'm I don't even think I'm criticizing the movie. I'm just genuinely <laughs> surprised that the movie did like went here. <laughs> he Larry says something about being half Irish and half Jewish, which Ben Stiller. And both of his parents, both of Rami Malek's parents, go, "Oh, we love Jews. We have we we own like five thousand of them," and it becomes this really awkward. But it's actually kind of funny. And Ben Stiller, because Ben Stiller is usually the straight man in these movies, but he actually does get a joke where he's like, "Yeah, well, they were enslaved and they wandered for forty years in the desert because they wanted to get away from the life you you created that you enslaved them in." And they're like, "Oh, really? But they were so happy. They were always singing by the candles." Which, around the time, there was, I don't remember the exact, like, who said it or what the context was, but someone, and it made the round, uh, had said that, no, you know, the enslaved people of color in America were happy. They were always singing. They were, it was fine. And I was like, this movie just referenced that. (laughs) That's a very dark thing to reference. And then Ben Stiller has a, I think a pretty funny joke where he's like, no, it's like a pretty big deal. We have dinner once a year and talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. Yeah, it's like, a weird a good joke. And it's, it's a like, weird thing I'm, to like. It is. There, it is funny, but it's like, whoa. Yeah. Wait. That was how I felt. I wasn't like offended or grossed out or like wagging my finger at the movie. But it's like marvelous Mrs. Maisel has a joke in the first season where they're like, "You're jealous of the rabbi? Give him a break. He was at Buchenwald." And that's like, did we just do that? <laughs> It's like I'm. Well, it's a, I'm not. Did, oh, okay. I guess we're here now. I, yeah. I I do 
on, on one level, I appreciate it because I, I like when kids' movies are able to, to throw in humor that only adults are going to get mm. um, and kind of have it be, oh, that's uh, that's actually fairly mature for a joke in this kind of movie. But at the same time, it, it does feel like it's it's out of place yeah. considering the rest of the humor in the movie. Yeah. It's like, well, if you're going to do that, maybe be a bit more consistent with it or just yeah. don't do it at all. I don't know. Yeah, and, and it's weird because sometimes they have those jokes in movies, such as the movie I'll recommend later, that it's, like, kind of racy, but not really, and it goes right over a kid's head. And this is mm-hmm. one that's like, no, this is about, like, history and, like, <laughs> yeah, human right. cruelty. Like, this is this is something. And now you're like, <laughs> you're just like, this is the most historically accurate thing in this movie. <laughs> this is just, <laughs> Oh, like, my God. And you can't really be like like with a I don't know I don't know. <laughs> it was again I don't think I'm criticizing the movie. I'm just kind of amazed that they were like let's just do this joke. Yeah. But also and Ben Kingsley I think delivered it in a very funny way. Um, you, you're talking about the Larry's character arc that did lead to we, we mentioned his goodbye with Robin Williams at the end, which I found very moving. Um, within the movie reasons. I just loved everything that Teddy was telling him about like life as an adventure and Robin or Ben Stiller says like, I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. And he says, how exciting. Yeah. I was like, that's yeah. really cool. That's, I, that's I really a beautiful that. like final line to give Robin Williams. Then of course he, he does the uh, fake out right at the end yeah. where he's like, <laughs> and that was <laughs> after great. he pretends to freeze uh, calls back to that, uh, which yeah. is wonderful. Like, and yeah. And that Robin Williams last on camera line was smile my boy at sunrise mm-hmm. is yeah. that's like beautiful and of course they didn't know that when they wrote the movie but still like this is very yeah. lovely and so that was all very moving for like meta reasons but also i think within the movie that was quite touching yeah um, well the movie you know, the... does grapple because i had talked about this in the first podcast of this uh where I was kind of like, you know, the movie doesn't quite know what to do with a lot of the, like, the mortality of these uh, yeah. inanimate objects. And the movie, like, suddenly tackles that in a very real way in the last, yeah. like, 20 minutes, um, like you're yeah. saying, Alex. And so, like, yeah, it's it's powerful to be like, oh, they're willingly saying goodbye for the last time. Okay. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, and Robin Williams has a line after he walks away from Takajuya. He's like, what a world. I'm wax and she's polyurethane or <laughs> something like that. <laughs> I was like, ah, that's pretty good. But uh, somehow we made it work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, uh, it is. Yeah. And it wasn't, they were clearly going for Toy Story 3 vibes. It was not to the level of Toy Story 3, but also like, I think in general, like this movie worked on me more. I had such low expectations for this movie. Like, yeah, Alex, I remember we, we had, I think it was on the last episode we talked about, is this going to be a Pitch Perfect 3 situation where it's just like, what is happening? Yeah, Right. Well, especially after the second one, I was like, oh, this is this is what we're doing, isn't it? Yeah. And then I, I figured this one was just going to be more of the same. Yeah. And I think it is a Pitch Perfect 3 situation in that it does feel a little smaller and it does feel kind of tacked on. But whereas Pitch Perfect 3 felt very small for what was supposed to be a big budget you know, or big, like, we're traveling the world on our USO tour. Hotels in three places. Um, it was, th- this, this I don't know, if it just felt more, like, satisfying, and maybe that's be- it helps that they had the same director for all three movies, and right. the same cast for all three movies. Um, 
But, like, I think this is a better version. And I, I, I said of Pitch Perfect 3, I just can't bring myself to hate it. And I think that I just went into this movie being like, oh, I'm just going to, like, sit through this and see what the cameos are. But then, like, there were jokes that I thought were funny. And, like, mm, moments yeah. I thought were touching. And I was like, okay, movie, like, you snuck up on me. Good job. I do I do have a nitpick. And for me, it's probably bigger than a nitpick, but I, I feel like I can't present it as anything other than a nitpick. I really is don't. it is it them uh, flying back from London to New York uh, in that single night? Eh. <laughs> and and apparently all the exhibits they're they're still they're still alive and kicking. I don't know time, time zone zones, wise dude. that might make sense. Yeah, I'm trying to think of that. They do things weird over there, man. Because like, like if the UK, I guess because if the UK I, if it, if they L- left London at, like... is, is London is three hours ahead of New York, I believe. Oh, it's more than that. I think. I think it's like six, five or six. I want to say it's it's quite oh, a bit. That much? Okay. Yeah, it's a it's never a mind. Amount. Shows how much I we know. Can, the we earth can, is flat. We could do the math. <laughs> <laughs> we we could do the math and try to figure it For out. For the record, I, I think I'm correct. But, the Earth is not flat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fact check. Before um, you take me out of context. <laughs> Hi, I'm Alex, and the Earth is flat. <laughs> um, I was gonna say though, my nitpick. That, to me, is more than that, because I, I felt like it really screwed up my enjoyment of the ending, um, is the fact that the movie doesn't just end with the Robin Williams goodbye. Sure. Um, I feel like everything after, where you've got Rebel Wilson showing up at the museum, and the, they're doing a British crossover, so they brought artifacts from the British exam- museum that all happen to be the ones that like we got to know during the course of the movie, <laughs> which is whatever. Um, and Ricky Gervais finally learns that like everything is magic and there's a big party. I feel like all of that needs to be credit stuff. All of that should play alongside mm. the credits. Like it really, because sure. bu- you also you do see Robin Williams or Teddy Roosevelt in that sequence. He doesn't say anything, but he does wave, and he's walking yeah. around with Sacagawea, and I'm like. This is really annoying to me because, like, we just, like, the whole point was, like, saying goodbye to these things that I've now, like, mm. voluntarily allowed someone yeah. else to take the thing that gave them power in life. And so it really bothered if I me. Can play, if I can play <laughs> devil's advocate here. Sure. Particularly because the fact that they want to give up the tablet and no longer come to life at night happens so quickly at the end. Mm-hmm. I feel like they they went well. We have kids watching this movie. We we need to. We can't just have it end with them turning turning back to wax and being sure. completely still. Like we need to have something. Um, I it, yeah. I don't know. My <laughs> argument would either be moving all move all the party stuff so that it's happening during the credits because that is all classic party stuff. That's fine. Where they're jumping around like that's classic in credits kids movie. Yeah. Uh, everyone's sure. having a big dance party. Right, yeah, um, it's a song about how we're going to turn it up and yeah. keep it going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but my argument would either be move it all to the credits or have the the movie end with Ricky Gervais being like, oh, what, what is happening? Like, and oh, all, the, gotcha, all the, yeah. the lights come out and then Rebel Wilson's like, come on. And then they, they, he, they, all the music starts playing and he's like, what? Yeah. And then he, right. he walks out and we see like his mystified face. Um, and then you cut to, okay, we've got a bunch of scenes of everyone dancing around and having fun. Um, I don't know. It, 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 it very, I do like the last shot of Ben Stiller being like outside and seeing like, Hey, that would be, that would be my other argument for why I, I prefer to not be in the credits. I I like having that be our last, then move that moment up to the end 
after Ricky Gervais sees everything off screen, and then you have your dance party. I don't okay, know. Okay, sure. It annoyed me a little. I'm just saying, it, just like tonally, it felt like it wanted to have its cake and eat its too. Eat have its cake and eat it too. Um, so you're probably right. That was a thing. It'd be kind of funny if Ben Stiller was standing out there looking at the museum and smiling, and then he goes, <sighs> "Forgot my keys." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I want to well, go in and play, but I can't. <laughs> this movie also has the heavenly bodies uh, personified by the That's magic true. tablet. It's a little weird. That's true. Orion's there. Yeah. Which I don't know. I guess it's just like digital projections. Yeah. That come to life. <laughs> which which really feels like more stuff should have Like, why didn't, like... Oh, I I stopped asking these questions a long time. <laughs> the, the the Jay Baruchel bit in the last movie broke me. I'm I'm not questioning any of that anymore. Speaking of people, paintings, people were just willy nilly accepting this stuff and be like, "Oh, visual effects, ah!" Even though it's right in front of my face. Like, okay, whatever. De- Dex does look quite bad at parts of that, by the way, where he's oh, climbing yeah. around on the on the ropes. Um, oh yeah, 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 he does. But. Uh, I will say, Britton, you mentioned the, the MC Escher bit where they go inside mm-hmm. the staircase. And, and at one point, Robin Williams, uh, or Ben Stiller lets Robin Williams go and he falls like out of the painting and then falls back around and hits Dan Stevens. Um, yeah. that's a lot of fun. There, there's a lot of fun. Yeah. That, I really enjoy that sequence because they're just like knocking stuff all over the place or knocking the tablet all over the place and jumping around and the stairs are all wacky and it's like, oh, this is a well-realized thing and there's like a cool like cell shading kind of effect on it i i did also appreciate and i don't know if this was supposed to be a meta thing or not but kind of lancelot's realization at the end of like oh it wasn't about the tablet it was about it was about the 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 monkey it was about it was about the the characters it was about this cast Mm -hmm. um i i kind of like that just as a meta thing of why i've gotten enjoyment out of these movies as opposed to the plots like the the treasure hunting the MacGuffins, like that's not what i come to these movies for uh so i i I don't know if that was intentional on on the part of the the writers but uh i i thought that was a a very nice moment it truly was the friends you made along the way exactly (laughs) yeah it was different writers this time it wasn't uh, Hmm. thomas lennon and robert Garrett, Ben Garrett. I think Thomas Lennon was still producer. I think I saw his name in the credits somewhere. Probably, or something yeah. Like that. I was going to say, knowing me, I'll go and look, and it's the Ant Man and the Wasp <laughs> screenwriters. I'll be like, oh no, I can't like a movie they wrote. <laughs> Have you watched the second episode of Mandalorian yet? No, not yet. Why? Because it was directed. It, direct, it, it was directed by Peyton Reed. Oh well, that's okay. Hmm. I, I think he's a good director. That. That's funny. Oh okay. Well then, in that case. <laughs> It's not a bad episode of TV at all, but <laughs> when I realized who it was, I was like, ooh. And the third episode out. is John Watts, director of Spider-Man Far From Home, my <laughs> other least favorite movie of all time? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was, it, was, uh, it was Tommy Wiseau. But <laughs> Zack Snyder? How did they get him? So man, I thought How's he had a sex life. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, question... Mm-hmm. Are Jed is in this movie? Is 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 the relationship between Jed and Octavius queer baiting? <laughs> <laughs> I have I have some concerns. That's all I'm saying. Guys, I'm just gonna real quick 
I'm just gonna burn the cookies in my computer and look up night at the museum queer baiting. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's quite a few like I was gonna say you can't dance with your buddy on a record as it's spinning around. Mm-hmm. Without it being some queer baiting. Well, That's all I'm saying. I will, um, so, okay, Alex, I seem to remember a certain Christmas party, but whatever. <laughs> um, there, that is my addition to this discourse. I think there are <laughs> a handful of, like, in all seriousness, a handful of, of uh, like, oh. gay jokes that I was kind of like, eh, I don't Sure. This is, I mean, kind of going as along with the, the monkey thing, um, where I'm just like, I don't know what you're trying to do here. Obviously... <laughs> I'm I'm in favor of uh, portrayal of homosexuality, not so much of uh, bestiality. But uh, I think along the same lines where the movie was just kind of like putting them in the same boat of, ooh, aren't we so silly? The, you know, we're we're doing some uh, non-straight stuff. Um, I don't know. I I, I will I, say, I, however, it didn't it didn't come across to me as as severe as that. And, and maybe no. if I went back and watched the movie, I'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, this is well. This is a bit of an The issue. one redeeming point that I was going to say that is actually kind of a nice bit, uh, it's a little joke, but it works, I think, is um, at one point in the movie, um, Jed and Octavius are stuck in the vents, and they're, it's like, oh, they're about to be pulled into, like I guess, the furnace or whatever, like they just think they're about to die. And Octavius is like, take my hand! And Jed's like, what? No! <laughs> and, uh, they, and then he's like, questioning him after they're saved because Ben Silver turns off the air conditioning and, he, and he's like, why'd you want to hold my hand? What are you talking about? <laughs> um, but then at the end, uh, when they're when they're dying from the tablet, uh, Jed does say, all right, I'll take that hand now. And they, they hold hands as they're like dying, which is kind of fun. So it, ultimately, I'm, I'm making a, a bigger deal out of this. The monkey thing is still a problem. This is not the, that much the, I, I will say, the opening bit where we're at the museum and they're watching like cat videos on YouTube mm-hmm. and they've got this ridiculous <laughs> contraption to comment and they're just like LOL smile winky face like, I don't know for some reason I, I, I found it funny I found it funny <laughs> I, think, I think Jed says I'm like tell him to give him a big old Texas heck yeah or something like that <laughs> and then Octavius is like just put a winky face <laughs> It's pretty good. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, so, so, it's fun. It is. So I, Did you I found find... a blog post Ooh. from <laughs> when the movie came out talking about Night at Museum 3. This very movie is very much a product of our time, and I believe that the movement for gay marriage influenced this film. What I can't tell is that the producers are in favor or making fun of the movement. And then it talks about throughout the movie, the characters push the boundaries of relationships. I don't know about that. <laughs> Teddy and Roosevelt... Teddy and Sacagawea have become a couple. They've been a couple for a while, I think. Sure. Um, da, da, da. <laughs> the relationship between Rebel Wilson and the Neanderthal breaks the barriers of material, but also time and even language. <laughs> and then it starts talking about these comments, the, the jokes between Octavius and Jedediah. And then it describes the kiss between Larry and, the, and Dexter, which... I'd forgotten that Larry, before he kisses him a second time, has a line that goes, I feel like that was there for a long time, too. Correct. Correct. And this person goes, yeah. my thinking is it's comedy only, but all of this pushing the boundaries of relationships makes you think if the producers weren't trying to send us a message about those trying to push the boundaries of relationships in reality with same-sex relationships. So, is this, I don't is this know. Is this blog, like, <laughs> Moms for American 
culture.com or something like that is that i think it was just like a person's blog. i won't i won't say the name of course but it was, it was just like a <laughs> sure. person's like personal blog um that they're just like i saw a movie let me tell you about it it's 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 that's an interesting <laughs> re- hot take <laughs> is the movie secretly like homophobic because yeah pretty soon you'll have night guards kissing monkeys <laughs> <laughs> So oh, so odd. okay. So may, I can see. Okay, maybe it's the other argument. All right. I'm on. Yeah, I don't. On a, on a taking a, taking us away, ste- steering us yeah, off of yeah, this track that's here. A weird. Um, there were multiple moments in this where I did have the image of Matthew McConaughey playing Jedediah, um, sure. which I really wish we got. No, no shade on Owen Wilson because he's also a lot yeah. of fun in this role. But like, man, I'm just imagining like Matthew McConaughey playing this totally straight, like not. <laughs> we're we're past the old conversation. Straight as in yeah. like a straight man. Like he's just he's totally just no in the role, yeah. like you know, method and everything. Um <laughs> just well, actually, like... I, I I tried to get real small when they were making a movie. <laughs> I bought really tiny <laughs> when I got the role I went down to Baby Gap and just bought a lot of <laughs> bought a lot of tiny overalls. <laughs> I asked them if they still had that uh that that shrinking ray from Willy Wonka, but, no doubt. <laughs> It'll take me a lot longer to get out to Saturn or wherever I go for my acting in that speech I gave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been pretty good. And then you could have said something about the flat circle and time and everything. Mm-hmm. Man, what could have been? There had to I be did. a phone call. Someone had to call him, right? <laughs> I, I don't want to, to circle back to the previous conversation. Uh, all, all I'll say is I appreciate that they didn't shoehorn in a a uh, love interest for Ben Stiller aside yeah. from Dexter, maybe. Um, <laughs> That's true. No, that is true. But, but like, once again, like, the whole thing with, with a real-life Amy Adams showing up at the end of the second one and, like, apparently that went nowhere. And <laughs> yes. I guess they just realized, oh, this is kind of dumb. Maybe we should just yeah, – it's fine. We or have, they the, realize the past oh, two we can't. movies, he he, a woman, an amazing woman falls for him. I guess, but it's never really like confirmed that yeah. it's going to happen, and then it doesn't. It doesn't stick because I guess Carl Gugino and Amy Adams definitely have better things to do. <laughs> um, I, but yeah, I, I similarly was like, oh, good. They didn't like try to create some you know, uh, 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 non-starter relationship for him. I uh, I did have the thought. Speaking of cast coming, not coming back, um, I did have the thought. Like, do you think? Do you think Rami Malek was like ready to quit acting um, around this time this movie came out? Do you think he was like, well, you know what? They're bringing me back. I should do it. I should. I should go ahead and commit. Do it one more time. They're going to give me a bigger role. You know, it'll be nice. A nice send off. But obviously, this isn't working out. I'm going to go. You know, I don't, I don't know what he. I don't know what his fallback would have been. I'm gonna go start a bakery <laughs> or something, uh, and and then like moments after, like some some iRobot writer uh, was like watching you, Night at the Museum you, three. You mean, you mean Mr. Robot? Mr. Robot? No, an iRobot <laughs> robot writer. <laughs> um, yes, Mr. Will, robot, sorry. Will Smith uh, called. I've got an excellent idea, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it went nowhere. Uh, no, um, some Mr. Robot actor, or, uh, writer, correct, was just, like, watching Night at the Museum 3, and he was like, yeah, 
that <laughs> I see it. I see it in his eyes. Because Rami Malek had not, I was looking at this just because I was curious. Like, oh, what else was he doing around this time? He was, he had surely moved on to bigger, better things. And this was like a nice, uh, you know, little morsel to give back to the studio to be like, yeah, I'll come back for one more. But no, like he, I think uh, Mr. Robot was 2015. Um, he had, he had not really like had his breakout yet. And so I, I thought that was very yeah. funny that he knocked out all three of these. <laughs> Like, yeah, like the biggest thing he had done aside time. from the Night at the Museum movies was like he's in the last Twilight. Mm-hmm. Oh, when was Short Term Twelve? Because that was probably that was, around this. That was uh, 2013. Yeah, so that that 2013. Um, That's a great movie. Short Term Twelve. The movie's awesome. But in terms uh, of the things that are like, oh no, he's you know yeah, super recognizable and people. So yeah, yeah, and he's. I've only seen the first season of Mr. Robot. It's a it's a pretty cool show, and he's fantastic. Hmm. All right, let, let's uh, move on from Rami Malek. Otherwise, I'm just going to start crying about No Time to Die. Just, <laughs> just move on. Just move on. Wanna... When was the last episode we we went through that we did not re- uh, reference oh. No Time to Die? How how far back do we have to go? Uh, I, I would guess at least a year and a half. <laughs> before the title was announced, probably. Yeah, when we were just talking about uh, Richard Madden and Charles Dance playing in a James Bond movie every every week. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, only laughing on the outside. <laughs> oh, like Paramore, I think? Um, or Jack Nicholson Joker? Sure. There you go. Never seen them in a room together? <laughs> Oh, I think I, I think I have actually at uh, Coachella. Uh, <laughs> yeah, when, when Bat- the original line instead of the wonderful toys was, "Who is that rose-colored boy?" <laughs> <laughs> Batman really is in the business of misery. Now, <laughs> in the film, <laughs> in Dark Knight Rises, when Bane goes. Mr. Wayne, I'm going to crush, crush, crush you. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so anyway. Oh, ain't it fun? No. Oh, and then, of course, Batman beats him and he said, that's what you get. All right. All right. <laughs> sure. I can't figure out how to work pool into this, so we're done. I, I, was, I was hoping somebody would do something with an, with an ice pun. I'm doing Arnold voice. I was, I was trying to see. Can, can somebody work that in? Do they have any songs about ice? I don't know. <laughs> I've, I've named all the Paramore songs I know. <laughs> oh, there is a song called Hello Cold World. There you oh, go. Geez. There we go. <laughs> all Hello right. Cold World. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Guy. <laughs> We're doing a serious podcast about Night at the Museum three, part three. Um, so chapter three. Why was this movie? This movie features Lance a lot heavily as as a new character. Why was this movie not called Night with a K? Oh man, there you go. Or, or like Night at the Museum. If you're colon. looking it up out, al- because if you're looking it up alphabetically, then it's all messed up. Night at the Museum <laughs> colon Night K N I at the museum. Ooh, that would have been good. They would have given it away though. It was, that yeah, was they, they were super secretive about about their cameo. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what else there is to say about it. I, uh, I don't know. It did feel weird that they did they, they did the Dexter fake-out death. And I was like, what? Yeah. I mean, I know he's not going to die, but, like, what? And that whole thing, Still, I, I'm not... Still better than the Chewbacca fake-out death in Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> sure. Still I mean, I, I think I think most fake out deaths are better than the <laughs> fake out deaths in Rise of Skywalker. Um, but I do, I did have like an actual problem with the way that played out, just because it was very like, oh, Lancelot's keeping the tablet from them because he's he's got to be the bad guy now. <laughs> like, there's yeah. it's really very flimsy in terms of him not wanting to just like try using the thing or like putting it in moonlight and like i feel like especially when because he watches everyone die for like 10 minutes and then he's Mm -hmm. like i see now you're all good people it's it's a little light switchy (laughs) yes um which is what what was his motivation for wanting the tablet just that he thought it was like the holy grail he's trying to return it to Camelot, I believe, or something like that. Okay. Because uh, yeah, okay. he thinks it's better than the Holy Grail, or maybe he thinks it is the Holy Grail. Um, so, which is why he goes to gotcha. Camelot. Or no, he's trying to find Guinevere, I think, at first. Oh, okay. And he's like, well, be, I'll be all-powerful. And then he gets yelled at by Hugh Jackman. <laughs> so, yeah. It's fine. All right, we're ready to do grades? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna give it the same grade that I give the first one. I'm gonna go C plus. Okay. Um, I I was genuinely surprised that I enjoyed the movie. Once again, it's not a work of art by any means. It's I, I thought it was just like a really solid, uh, uh, family film. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I said, a lot of the stuff that kind of bothered y'all didn't necessarily bother me as much. So that's really up to personal preference with humor. Um, but yeah, I thought it. I, I definitely enjoyed it a lot more than the second one, at least, hmm. um, which I found un- very annoying at times. And this one, I, I didn't, I didn't really find annoying at all. So, what did I give the previous two movies? Me, me too. Uh, tell me. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, well Britain asked first. All right. No, so me the first. Britain, you gave the first one a C and the second one a C plus. Okay. And Tyler, you gave the first one a C plus and the second one a C minus. Okay, what did I give Terminator Dark Fate? Uh, A plus. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. <laughs> you I were just really like Mackenzie Davis. What? Mackenzie Davis's muscles? Uh, what did I give? I mean... What did I give the Scorpion King to Tomb of the Dragon Emperor? Um, <laughs> Is that actually what it's called? No, I don't think so. No, oh, okay. I think I got the wrong subtitle. It's fine. Oh no, no, that's the that's the third Mummy movie. Yeah, that's the one with Jet Li. Yeah, <laughs> Tomb of the we'll Dragon Emperor. Uh, I'm also going to give this one a flat C because I I did enjoy it more than I thought I would, but I also remember it less than I thought I would. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Like, I, so much of it just kind of passed in front of me. But I, again, I said this about the first one. Like, when I have kids, if they want to watch these movies, like, that's fine. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. There's way worse stuff out yeah. there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 it was a nice time. I'm gonna I'm gonna go D plus. I'm I'm taking Sean Levy to task and and Ben Stiller and La. <laughs> no, I just I I think 
for me, this really felt like it worked less cohesively as a whole than the other two. Um, I don't think any of these, I was kind of hoping we would find, you know, a, a hidden gym um, sure. out of all of these. And I don't think any of them really like wowed me. Um, I think they were all, the, the first two were just about what I remembered. And then this one was uh, a little disappointing. It's fine. They're, they're fine kids movies. Uh, they're, yeah. they're, they're a solid time. And I think it's not upsetting if your kid wants to watch this and you just put it on. It's like, cool. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Also, I think the last like movies that we reviewed that were aimed at kids were the Toy Story movies. <laughs> right. So like there, there, there is a precedent set. Why aren't they the Toy Story movies? <laughs> Can you just do what that? Are... I mean, the kids, we've only reviewed a few like kids franchises like Santa Claus and then these and Toy Story and now this, right? Terminator. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, Santa Buddy. <laughs> There's two more of them. Um, the Scorpion King 2. Yeah. Tomb with the Dragon Emperor. <laughs> but that's the I only say, one. I think the, the Blade movies were, were children's sure. films. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool children. <laughs> I I um, uh, alluded to this earlier. I will, I will do my recommendation. So this is a movie that I rewatched earlier today because I was still, you know, Night Museum 2 left me wanting with Amy Adams. There's never enough. Just like in, uh, I don't know. Um, but, uh, <laughs> this morning I watched. <laughs> I, anyway, I watched, uh, I watched Enchanted again. Ah. The wonderful film from 2007. Uh, live action animation hybrid Enchanted, uh, directed by Kevin Lima. And that would be the a, title for the sequel, right? Wouldn't it be Enchanted again? Probably. <laughs> Re Enchanted. Um, yeah, it's, guess what? It's really fun still. I really like that movie a lot. Mm -hmm. Amy Adams is incredible. Um, Patrick Dempsey's really good in that movie. Jason Marsden, or to me, Jason Marsden, I love him, but James Marsden uh, is marvelous as always. I love James Marsden. Susan Sarandon, uh, Adina Menzel, a lot of cool cameos like Jody mm -hmm. Benson and Tanya Pinkins and stuff. Um, there are a few pieces of it, like moments that are a little like, oh, maybe don't just touch a black person's hair without asking Amy Adams. <laughs> um, and th But then most of the movie, I think, is really trying to like be progressive and be a better version of a princess movie. Mm -hmm. Um it doesn't go as far as like Frozen, which I think is quite progressive in that in that regard. But like, uh, it's still a really fun movie. The songs are great. Um, Alan Menken and Stephen Schwartz team up, and uh, I, I just can't say enough good things about Amy Adams. But like, I watched it today, and it's just a good, just a good fun time. It had been a while since I rewatched it. Weirdly enough, it is not on Disney Plus. I don't think. Hmm. So you might have to do a little hunting. But if it's been a minute, like watch Enchanted. It's a good time. And, um, yeah, I love Amy Adams. So, Enchanted. Yeah. So, did you guys watch The Way Back again, or? Yeah. <laughs> Tyler's made that a habit. He he does that every Sunday. I put it on, I actually put it on loop while I'm working. Um, <laughs> Just comforting. Yeah. He he gets ben inspired by the the drunken stupor sequences, Correct. not not the not the dramatic speeches. Correct. When, when Ben Affleck's just drunk out of his mind, that's mm -hmm. that's what inspires Tyler. He takes, to keep he going. takes a lot of a lot of showers. 
um, sometimes <laughs> where he's got just like a beer with him. Oh, and, you know, you it speaks to me. <laughs> You're, You're like, like, I just aspire gotta... to be that one day. A couple more hours and that'll be me. <laughs> when I get old enough. <laughs> uh, no, have you guys uh, seen anything cool that you'd recommend to our, to our viewers, our listeners? Um, I haven't really watched much new at this point. Um, uh, I, I went back and I've, I've been rewatching all the Rocky films because I felt the need to do that. Mm. And shocker, they're mostly still good. Um, <laughs> that fifth one's kind of rough. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm all the way through Rocky Balboa, and now uh, I need to watch both Creed movies again. And Cecilia, nice. friend of the podcast, Cecilia has not seen either of them, <laughs> so I'm excited to show them to her. Cool. It is the best Ooh. movie franchise. When are y'all going to get to Rocky and Bullwinkle? I'm assuming that's like after Creed 2? <laughs> I, I I already suffered through that movie as a child. My family went to go see that in the theater. So Never again. <laughs> you had such a just like, how how dare they? There they well, it, pay it for you just, to go. <laughs> look, it wasn't just that that might be film. one of the worst movies ever made. It's also the fact that the Jim Carrey Grinch movie trailer played during that, and I've talked <laughs> repeatedly about how that that trailer freaked me out as a kid. Okay, so, so there, there were negative repercussions yeah. from this. Beyond there, there was a compounding effect on, okay. on on the trauma that I have from that movie. Okay. So, okay. I watched it at um, AFI Fest. They were doing retrospective. <laughs> Of uh, films. Of Tyler, what's your recommendation? Just stop. Just stop. <laughs> I don't know that I really have one this week. I've, I've been watching a lot of Great British Baking Show. Um, we caught up yes, on the newest season. Um, oh, are we watching the newest season? Yeah, yeah. Caught up to oh, all, the, all the way to whatever has not come out. I think there's like only two episodes left. Um, oh, man. But that's it. That's just such a good. Like, and it's. I think it's a show that we're. That, I might just say it. Yeah, that's, that's my recommendation. You know? Why yeah. Not? Um, it's just such a good, like. Everyone is so chill, and you end up rooting for almost everybody on it. Uh, yeah. Because they're all, like, genuinely kind hearted people who. Like, I feel like it'd be really hard to not be a, a, a decent person and have such a, like, passion for just making, making these nice dessert foods. Yeah. Um, and it's just very nice to watch something that's a lot less cutthroat than your traditional American reality TV. Um, Speaking of which, I have actually been watching more Hell's Kitchen. So. Sure, sure. <laughs> which is its own its own reward. But uh, oh, it is it is quite rewarding. <laughs> but it's it's just what? not the you know it's such a different yeah. uh, wavelength and and also the the way they like I. Uh, mythologize paul hollywood on that is is delightful he really is the like yeah. british guy fieri and i love him sure um and, uh, well, and well and this this newest season especially because they all like have to quarantine together mm -hmm. and their families so like they are that much closer than mm -hmm. all the in all the other seasons so it just creates this like intimacy yeah which is really lovely um also lottie is one of my all-time favorite contestants sure. on that program she is so great true <laughs> She's just like vamp uh, Viking metal in a stone, and I love her. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's a good time, and and it I think it also show. does a good job of not making you kind of like Hell's Kitchen because Hell's Kitchen also, um, they're just making like very 
traditional standard dining food. They're not making it's not like watching, you know, diners drive and drive ins and dives where Guy right. Fieri is like, We we've got this giant fried cookie next to a burger that looks amazing. <laughs> <coughs> like yeah, it's like the, it's like the same cycle of like eight different items, <coughs> right? But they all look like, oh man, I want that right now because I'm, yeah. I'm hungry and sitting on my couch. Um, right. Oh, there's a quiche episode this season that I was like, I ready to punch a person. For sure, that. sure. I think it happens with Great British Baking Show, but I also think Great British Baking Show makes you like more get excited about like oh i should go make something in the kitchen that'll be yeah, fun like absolutely. i feel like it, it gets you more excited about the process and like you you're not right. looking at every because there's so many desserts and everything looks good you're not yeah. as like hung up on oh that you know i want i have to have that uh, biscuit right now or whatever um yeah it's it, it inspires you to go and, and experiment and make some fun stuff uh yeah as opposed to like a lot of i think american cooking shows are more Oh, I I need to go eat right now. <laughs> That's how I feel. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that is a really good show. Um, I have been watching this season week to week because I I think it's mm-hmm. great they've been releasing it that way. So when it's done, I'll go back and catch up on some of the seasons I haven't I haven't seen. True. Um, oh man, me and this is a very obvious sentence, but me and some of my library coworkers have a group chat about it. <laughs> Which is maybe the most library thing I've ever said. Sure. Oh, but it's a lot of fun. We uh, it's just bakes and books. Is it that's, called that's the name? Great British Book Off. Oh, beans. That's good. <laughs> no, we're all Americans, sadly. Uh. <laughs> Great Britain's book off. There we're, we we're go. getting farther away from the integrity of the pun here. Um, Indeed. <laughs> um, but closer to our next episode. Now, guys, next week, I, we're not going to reveal the movie, but we're, we're doing something a little different, aren't we? Yeah, we're, I mean, we last last year we did a Thanksgiving special. Um, I don't remember what we did, but I know uh, we, we generally are trying to select these movies to be very, like, fun, kind of family-oriented, gather-around-the-table yeah. movies. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. I'll have to I'll have to check and, and remember uh, for next week what we did last year. But uh, yeah, gonna do do you know kind of evoke you know that feeling of just the holidays and being together. Yeah. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, a, a lot of people aren't gonna be able to see family as much. So we really wanna we really wanna you know talk about something that's gonna uh, inspire some joy. Uh, this, this yeah, si- simulate that the holiday season. Of- yeah, just travel and mm-hmm. you know, to simulate the idea of travel and and uh, just enjoying time with your loved ones in a, yeah. in a special place. I think mm-hmm. it'll be uh, just a really nice warm time. So get, get, gather your kids around the old podcast player. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, you can find that episode as well as this episode that you have already found somehow. Uh, by going to herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. We're also on uh, Twitter at HCTSequels. You could email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're on SoundCloud. Um, there's probably another one. I don't I don't know. We're just, we're on too many places. We're, you can't escape <laughs> us. We just keep coming. Just. It, take, it, makes, it takes more work to not. Correct. You have to dodge us. <laughs> and install exactly. like five ad blockers. <laughs> We're just everywhere. We're just ubiquitous, you know. 
Just little Alex is popping up on your screen. <laughs> Hit the monkey and you'll listen to a podcast. <sighs> also, hit hit this uh, mysterious link. I, I don't know what, what any of that, those characters mean. It doesn't form a cohesive thing. For your no time to die, uh, free download. <laughs> <laughs> yep, there's a pop-up ad that just says, hot, no time to die is in your area. <laughs> Would you Exotic, watch no time, no time to, to die? die is three miles from you. <laughs> <laughs> Young Rami you watch no t- <laughs> Would you watch No Time to Die with an older woman? <laughs> There's like a weird ad where it's like a an off-brand like Homer Simpson watching No Time to Die. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> well, I think we're about done. I've been Alex. I've been Tyler. I've been Britain, and you're having a good night.